Welcome to the Strong Girl Podcast, a podcast for and about strong women and how they overcame the things that once made them feel weak. Join me, your host, Samantha Russo, as I discuss everything from mindset to physical health with guests that will surely inspire and motivate you. There will be laughs, there will be tears, and maybe a few F-bombs, but more importantly, lessons to learn to help you grow and embrace your strong girl. Welcome back to another episode of the Strong Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Russo. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited to welcome my next guest. Her name is Jillian Leff. She is one of my dear friends from my Emerson College days. And Jill is currently the managing editor of celebrity gossip site, PerezHilton.com, kind of a BFD, and she resides in LA. So when she's not stalking celebrity social media for stories or breaking news, Jillian hosts her own female empowerment podcast, Boss Please, side hustles as a voiceover artist, and can be found recapping TV shows on Maria Menounos's, also an Emerson alum, podcast network, After Buzz TV. Thank you so much, Jill, for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, obviously. And I know I kind of told you when we were messaging about um, doing this, I feel like so much of my podcast experience so far has really been um, like people that I've been thinking about asking to come on my podcast or people that I like initially thought of when I was developing it, they've all like reached out to me and it's just been so weird and like synchronistic. So it's pretty cool. Um, well, it's meant to be. <laughs> it, it's absolutely meant to be. Jill and I, like I said, we met um, in em- at Emerson College in Boston, um, both broadcast journalism majors. And Jill was always someone that I like looked up to right away because she was super involved and active on campus and she's still obviously active in her real life and Jill was actually my pledge mom um (laughs) in alpha epsilon phi oh yes sorority days can't forget them never (laughs) okay so let's kind of talk about get things started um what you're doing now what I would love to know, what is a typical day like for you working at Perez? Sure. So I'm the managing editor, like I'm sure you said in my intro. And basically, the landscape of the industry has completely evolved since I entered it about six years ago. Um, we had an office at one point. Now I work remotely from home. So my day pretty much begins around 4.30 in the morning. Yes, I work East Coast hours, crazy, but you get used to it after a couple of years. Uh, and I just roll out of bed, come downstairs, turn my computer on, make a cup of coffee, because I really can't start my day without some sort of caffeine since it's real early in the morning. And, um, and then I just look at all the news that broke overnight and any emails from my boss that come in and I sort of gather a list of things that need to be covered and assign it out to our writers. And that's how my day begins. (laughs) So, okay, so you're doing that. And then you have also these side hustles that you're involved in. How do you, like, balance it all out? 
So I'm really blessed with my East Coast hours because although my social life suffers quite a bit because I can't go out at night, I do have the opportunity to do things after work. Um, My work ends at 2 p.m. So I can do things like come on this podcast and and chat with you or I can go to uh, a voiceover session and record. Um, I can, you know, do my other podcast at the network after buzz that I work for. Um, it's, it's kind of really great. I don't know what not being busy is. And I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people that have sort of type A personalities like myself, we sort of our you know, homeostasis is busy. Uh, (laughs) I don't really know how to relax. Um, even, you know, if I were to take a vacation or something like that, I'm still working on my other side projects while I'm doing that. You know, I feel like I'll sleep when I'm dead. (laughs) And I've sort of always felt like that. I think that being busy is a wonderful thing. And I accept sort of any opportunity that comes my way. So, yes, I keep myself very busy. So I work a full-time job and then basically two other full-time jobs. (laughs) Yep. And so, I I mean, obviously, I kind of mentioned it. That was one of the reasons why, you know, I really look up, looked up to you. And obviously, I still do. Um, so you were super involved in college and clearly still true today. Can you talk about some of the things that, you know, led you to where you are now? Sure. So when I graduated college, I think that you and I had a very similar experience in that, you know, when we went to Emerson, we were built up to be you know, the best of the best. And I almost felt like when we graduated, a bubble burst. Mm. And I had no grounding, I had no footing, and I moved home to my parents' place in New Jersey, and I was just lost. You know, we can apply all we want online. You feel like the applications are going into the abyss. And unless you know somebody or have a connection or your parents know somebody, especially being at Emerson, a lot of the students' parents were very connected in the industry. Um, You know, you had your shot right away. And unfortunately, or fortunately, because it taught me lessons, you know, for me, my parents didn't go to college. They don't have any connections in the industry. You know, they're blue-collar people. And I had to pave my own way. It was really challenging because what I did when I graduated was I started reaching out to all of these different people and sort of, you know, these news personalities and, you know, these people that are working for celebrity news websites and kind of asking them what their journey is. And I quickly found out through many trips to New York City, I'm from New Jersey, and many trips, you know, to local coffee shops and things like this, meeting with these people, like everybody has their own path and I need to create my own. I can't base mine off of any of these other experiences. Mm -hmm. So that was in 2011. My first job out of school was with MTV in New York. And the only reason why I got it was because my cousin worked in the department. Um, I worked in casting and development for a couple of reality TV shows that never made the air. I hated the job. I was commuting, you know, three and a half hours into New York City every single day. Mm. I was making little to no money. Basically, my money was going to my bus pass. Um, But 
I knew that if I wanted to be in the industry, I needed to be working on something. And for me, working in casting and development was great because I was able to basically interview people that were going to be on reality shows. So I was still using my journalistic background. Um, I would interview them, and then I would edit these videos together to present to the casting department. And then they would sort of decide whether they wanted to move ahead with these people or not. So I was essentially creating a narrative for them, which was exciting. But at the same time, you know, I quickly realized I'm not the person that they're looking for. At the time, you know, I feel like hipsters were really big and mm-hmm. all their hosts, like, you know, the guys had those big black glasses and the girls were like very natural, little to no makeup, just like, I don't know, cool girls. I'm not necessarily like that. I don't think I fit that category. <laughs> You're um, not a hipster. <laughs> so, yeah, like I'm just not. I, I mean, I'm hip in my own way, I guess, but just not that way. You're a cool so, mom. Oh, thank you. Um, You're doing amazing, sweetie. So I decided for myself, you know, there was a point where they had asked me to come back and do sort of another freelance position, and I turned it down because I realized, you know, I need to be in Los Angeles. And when I graduated, I wasn't ready to move. And there's no shame in that. You know, I knew that I wasn't ready, and I moved back home. And I needed to do that. I feel like a lot of people move prematurely. They become really unhappy really fast, and they regret it. And I just didn't want to regret it. So I ended up private nannying for a family for a year and a half. And I saved up around $6,000. And I, myself and a friend, you know, we were talking one day, and I was like, do you want to move to New York or do you want to move to LA? And she's like, let's move to LA. So I was like, cool. I have a roommate. This all happened very fast, you know? So I saved the money and I moved out here with a suitcase and no apartment, no nothing. I stayed with a friend that I knew at Emerson. Her family lived about 40 minutes outside of LA and I found my apartment in a day. I found my job at Perez as an editorial assistant in four weeks. And the rest is sort of history. You know, they say that when things are meant to be, they click. Mm. And for me, when I moved, it was just a series of clicks. It was like, yeah. wow, this makes so much sense. Oh, my gosh, this is, this is what I've been, you know, searching for. This is what I've been wanting. And, you know, in the back of my mind, fully knowing that, okay, if this doesn't click as fast as I want it to, I have my waitressing shoes and my apron and you know, everything that I need to waitress in the trunk of my car. So if I need to get that survival job, I will. Uh, but fortunately for me, it worked out way quicker than I could have ever imagined. And I sort of had to think back when I first got the job at Perez almost six years ago. Think back at that feeling of when I graduated and how depressed I was and how mm-hmm. hopeless I was. And just like, damn, like, you really need to be proud of yourself, Joe. Like, you did that. You know, not a lot of people can say that they moved out to L.A. and found something so quickly that they wanted to do. And, you know, it's just like I have to pat myself on the back because I do feel like as people, we don't do that enough. You know, it's fine when we're talking to other people and, you know, we're talking about our experience and everything else. But, like, it's really important to give credit to yourself because the longest relationship that you have is with yourself and it needs to be great. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And L.A. is obviously treating you very well. Yes, 
I absolutely love it out here. I not only did, you know, my professional life click, but my personal life clicked once I moved out here and I reconnected with a wonderful man that I met while I was at Emerson and we've been together ever since and he's, you know, my partner and everything. So I just am so blessed and I know that my parents would love me to move back to the East Coast, <laughs> uh, but for now, I'm here, and I'm thriving, and I'm happy, and that's what matters to me. And it's so obvious, and I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Um, so you said it, but yeah, we, we did really share that similar experience of, I mean, when I graduated, I was like so devastated. I Like the whole few weeks leading up to graduation I was just like nope nope this is not happening this is not happening mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not I'm not ready for this to end and it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a blessing and a curse to go to a school like Emerson because you are you are given so many opportunities that you know even other people studying broadcast journalism do not get to do like the experience that we got is experience that people that have been working in working as reporters don't get for a long time. I went to spring training, you went to the Emmys, you went to the Oscars. Um, mm. And so being so career focused, it can kind of start to define you and, and it can make you feel like a failure when, you know, right after college, you don't get a job in that industry that you've, you know, you felt really qualified to get. Um, sure. So you were doing something with um, some Emerson postgrads. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so they created this amazing program called the Career Advisory Network in the past year or so, and it's so brilliant. I was like so thrilled to be a mentor and sign on to it. Basically, the premise of the program is they are helping students transition from their final semester of school to the real world. So using actual Emerson alumni that are connected in the community already to sort of guide them and if they can't help them directly, connect them to people that can. And I, my experience was so rewarding, way more rewarding than I thought going into it. I just thought, okay, I went to this school that's super expensive. I'm still $80,000 in debt. I cannot give you any money, but I sure as hell can give you my time. So that's what I set out to do, and I met some amazing students along the way that had some fantastic internships. Um, A couple of my students were interning at Variety, TMZ, a couple of really major YouTube networks, and I was placed with all journalism students. So essentially, my job was to look over their resumes, check out their cover letters, help them design, spruce it up then connect them to people that I know that could possibly help them moving forward. And I did just that. And it's really exciting because when I was talking to them about my experience, I was really honest because I feel like when we graduated, we didn't have that honesty that we needed. right. And I really, like, one thing I said to them was, like, listen, I don't want to get too deep, but I never knew what depression was. I knew that people were depressed. You know, you can be depressed. But I was so low when I graduated that I felt like the floor was ripped out from under me. I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. It was the first time in my life that I was afraid to, like, even go out and be social. Like, Mm -hmm. I just was in seclusion and so distraught. And, 
you know, going to my waitressing job and just like trying to make some sort of schedule for myself, even though I didn't want to be in my hometown, this is not what I wanted to do. And I'm like, listen, it's okay if you want to go back to your hometown and you want to work in the industry or you know, if you decide that you just went to school for this and you really don't want to get into this, then get into something else. You know, your options are, are endless and things are a lot different than they were when I graduated and that was only seven years ago. So mm-hmm. basically, I was able to help them and connect them to either, you know, journalists that are working today or, um, you know, YouTubers and they sort of got a better look at what the job landscape is like and, you know, connecting people that are interested in freelancing to freelancers. Because I feel like if I can't offer up the advice, I want to put them in the hands of somebody that can. And funny enough, the program is nicknamed Can. So I just, (laughs) I am really blessed that I was given the opportunity and it was, I was randomly approached and it's been really great. And maybe I'll go back for another session, but, you know, I, at the end of our time together, I gave everybody a thank you card because I was like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for showing up because it was really important that you were here and I will help you in any way that I can because I don't want any of you to feel the way that I felt. Yeah. That's so yeah. important. That's I'm, I love, love, love that they're doing that. And it's kind of crazy that you were approached like randomly because I feel like your experience is so valid and it's something that probably a lot of the people that we both graduated with have experienced because Emerson really is such a an entertainment driven um, school and you know you are so focused on one set career path Um, so I'm sure Mm -hmm. a lot of other people have really felt the same and just really don't know how to how to share it. Yeah, totally. So for me, it was great that I was just given the opportunity. I was like, wow, this is awesome. I didn't even need to uh, speak it out. (laughs) So kind of switching paths here, but it's not always positive and sunny um, in our in our everyday lives. You were actually diagnosed with Epstein-Barr. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about what that is and when you were diagnosed? Sure. So in 2013, actually right after I moved out here, um, I got mono. And basically, Epstein-Barr virus, like pretty much everybody has it in their system. And some people just go through life with it remaining dormant, uh, you know, their whole entire lives. For me, it flared up in mononucleosis or like as we would think of it, you know, like the kissing disease. Mm Mm-hmm. Still no idea how I got it, but I was sick for about three weeks. I lost 20 pounds. Um, I couldn't get out of bed, and this was, like, right after moving to L.A., so definitely not the ideal situation, but again, you know, I powered through because I needed to, Uh, but basically, I got a really high fever. Um, My glands were swollen. I looked like I was like Frankenstein neck, like two bolts were coming out of either side. Um, I was super weak. I, you know, it just really destroyed me. And I, I just couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. It was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. I had to do it alone without my parents. 
Thankfully, mm-hmm. I had a wonderful roommate who took me to the hospital when I needed to and, you know, got me fluids when I needed them. Um, but for the most part, that's sort of where everything changed in my life. Um, after I got better, I slowly started to find out that I couldn't eat the same things that I had eaten before I got the mono. And I was always a person that, I mean, I grew up in a huge Jewish Italian family. So I pretty much was given anything and everything and didn't really have a problem with it. You know, Mm -hmm. not too many allergies, uh, not really any stomach issues, anything like that. And after I got mono, I started to develop severe stomach issues. I, you know, would have to like, and, you know, listen, if you're not like into the poop talk listeners, you might want to tune out at this moment because I'm going <laughs> to talk a lot about shit. Um, and I love basically, it. <laughs> I would eat something and I would have to run to the bathroom like 30 minutes later, like almost immediately. And I would be in the bathroom for the rest of the night. And it took me so long to figure out what my triggers were, what this is. But it wasn't just, you know, I have to go to the bathroom. My doctor refers to them as like episodes because Mm. I would sweat to the point where my hair is soaked. You know, my chest would be red. My stomach would be completely distended and puffed out. And it was just a waiting game. You know, it was like, when am I, when am I going to have to run to the bathroom? And this was happening, you know, when my boyfriend and I were going out to eat. It was happening when I was cooking at home. So we, you know, my doctor put me on an elimination diet and the first thing that we cut was milk and it helped a little bit, but really I was still getting these attacks. So then we cut gluten and then I found out like, holy crap, this is a huge trigger. This is what's making my stomach. So then I got tested and I developed celiac from Hmm. the um, Epstein-Barr virus and from the mono. Basically, it's something that I've always had, but I never really ate in huge quantities, carbs, things with gluten in it, the protein, in huge quantities, so it never really affected me, and now it's just super sensitive. So I thought my problems are over, you know? I just need to go on a gluten-free diet, and this was sort of before gluten-free was something that, you know, people are like, oh my God, it's healthier. Like, (laughs) it's not healthier. Yeah. Okay? It's not, especially if you eat gluten-free products, which I really do try to stay away from, Um, but like processed products, Mm -hmm. but I was like, okay, this is like, my problems are solved. This is amazing. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling so much better. That went on for about a year. And then after that, all of the sudden, I developed these severe allergies and we're talking like welts on my body for weeks. Hmm. So it would be, you know, I found out I was allergic to shellfish after I had eaten, I grew up eating steamers and uh, mussels and shrimp. And I was in London and I ate a lobster and for two weeks I had welts all over my body while I traveled in Europe and it was awful. Um, Found out I was allergic to sesame, which is like a huge, it's like a really big allergen that a lot of people are allergic to. Found out I was allergic to tree nuts. So, After that, and after I had sort of, you know, had all of these stomach issues, like, I'm thinking, okay, for the stomach, am I 
doing internal damage because I'm getting these stomach aches and these episodes so frequently that I'm like actually concerned that my insides, there's something wrong with them or that I have Crohn's or colitis, which Mm -hmm. is like a big fear. Right. And so I had to get a colonoscopy um, last January and it was an enlightening experience. Um, I got a colonoscopy and they told me that nothing was wrong with me. My insides looked great. Um, They don't know why I'm having these episodes, so they blanket diagnosed me with IBS. Wow. And since then, I have done a ton of research, and I'm not even kidding, Sam. So many people that I know that have had mono have severe stomach issues and allergies. And... They're starting to really connect the dots with research on how having EVB, the virus, it's all connected. So there's no solution ultimately, but I'm trying to, like, I I started reading um, the medical medium. I don't know if you've heard of him, Anthony William. No. He basically, he was the guy that started the celery juice craze where he was like, if you drink celery juice, you're going to heal yourself. And it does work for a lot of people, especially people that have eczema, um, liver issues, things like that, because apparently there's a mineral in celery that, you know, if you drink it on an empty stomach, it, it, you know, sort of heals your gut. Um, But he has, like, a list of supplements. He has done, like, a ton of research on mono and EVB and the connection to it all. So... I actually had my physical in August and my doctor looked at me and said, I can't help you. You have to seek holistic help. Wow. So I've been looking for a doctor for months now and I think I finally found one, which is great. And, you know, hopefully it's expensive. It's expensive to take care of yourself, especially when it's not being run through insurance. So I'm hoping that when I get my tax return back this year, I can really go to, you know, this alternative medicine doctor and we can do a whole panel of tests and really figure it out. But it's not something that I really talk about. And I I wanted to talk about it with you because it's so chronic that it's prevented me from doing so many things and it weighs on you Mm. when you have to say no to your friends or they think that you're making it up, you know, oh my God, how many times has Jill had a stomach ache? Right. You know, how many times has she had an allergic reaction to something? And it's like, these chronic things absolutely suck, but you have to sort of live your life Mm -hmm. and continue to do so. You can't stop living. So, you know, what do you do to sort of balance it? And I've learned to cook a lot of my own food and I, you know, I know exactly what goes into it and my, if I know that I have something, like I have to go out, I only eat the safe food. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like to take chances. You know, when I go out to a, a restaurant, I have to call ahead and talk to the chef every single restaurant I go to just to make sure that I'm not going to get cross-contamination into something and I'm not going to get super sick because it not only knocks me down for the day, but it could knock me down for the week. Yeah. So it's definitely um, chronic pain and chronic illness is no joke. 
I don't even have it that bad. I know people that have it way worse than me with chronic pain, and I can't even imagine how they, you know, go to work every day and do all mm-hmm. these things. I'm, you know, I'm so fortunate that I work from home, where if I do need to use the restroom, I can just go. I remember being in the office, and I would get a stomach ache, and it's like, cool, I bring my cell phone with me into the bathroom, and I'm texting my boss from the bathroom, like, hey, I'm fine, I'm just, I uh, had to step away, you know, <laughs> like, it's just, it's so awkward, but I just definitely wanted to share that, because I've found so much comfort in connecting with other people that have been through similar situations, and that almost, you know, fear going out and eating, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I call it FOGO, fear of going out, because I do have it. Like, I, I do have it. Um, I, I try really hard not to, but, you know, especially if it's a new place, I really, like, eat conservatively. I drink conservatively because you just don't know what's going to happen, and there have been so many times where I had to leave. And um, it's hard. It's hard to get it in check because you don't know what a trigger is. Yeah, it's so, yeah. so wild. First of all, how LA is it that your doctor recommended to go see a holistic doctor? Because I guarantee you there are no doctors out here in New England that would ever tell you that. Um, like, I almost had a heart attack. She's like, I can't help you. I was like, oh my God. That's terrifying. And so um, I posted like a, an Instagram story a, a while ago talking just about how badly constipated I was. And I guess my mom told me, and she's probably listening now, but she said that I've just always been a const like from the second I was a, a child, like I've always been constipated. And so uh-huh. many people, I was so embarrassed to post it because I was like, oh, I really need like help. Like somebody probably knows something that, that could help me. But yeah. I cannot tell you the amount of DMs that I got from people talking about their chronic constipation, doctors blanketing it, blanketing it mm-hmm. as IBS. Um, and I feel like obviously gut health is, be- I think, is becoming a more popular topic. But I really think in maybe not this year, but within the next five years, it is going to be so, so important for people to get like their gut health in check and really look into these holistic alternative medicines. Um, mm. I, I've i never even talked to my doctor about f- the chronic constipation, so I finally did. Mm-hmm. I finally got a primary care physician after like five years. Um, <laughs> and Good job. She, yeah, right? She, she like took it very seriously and she, we're, I'm going to go see a gastroenterologist to figure it out. But yeah, it's crazy how many people are dealing with these kind of taboo topics. Like don't talk about poop if you're a girl, but it's so, so real and something I'm really interested in learning more about. And hopefully there's like some sort of game changer, some sort of something that makes it more available to you know figure out what the underlying cause is because you're right holistic these naturopathic doctors most of them are not covered by insurance and it's it's expensive to get some blood panels done and and to to do all that stuff it's going to basically cost a couple of thousand a couple of thousand dollars for me to sort of just get to a place where we're kind of figuring things out because those doctors do different blood panels than 
you know, Western medicine doctors. And that's fine. They're looking for other markers to sort of, you know, help. But I just think that more people need to be open and honest and talk about it. And I think it has to do generationally as well, because I try to be sort of, you know, open and honest on social media about things. And then my parents who don't even follow me on social media will be like, oh, I can't believe you talked about that. I'm like, but your friends are talking about what I posted. <laughs> I was like, I'm just doing it so I can help people. Like, yeah. I mean, come on, guys. You know, we're all just, we are so much closer connected than we think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just from your, you know, your constipation thing, like, and I'm sure you got some really great tips, you know, stuff that works for some people, stuff that hasn't worked for people. And, you know, it's something that I deal with too. And doctors don't have answers. It's like, yeah, we looked at your insides. They look fine. Like, oh, your diet looks fine. I don't know why you can't go to the bathroom or I don't know why you're going so much. It just, Nobody has the puzzle pieces, and hopefully we'll be able to figure it out, and I'll definitely keep you posted on my natural journey. (laughs) Hey, thanks. Yeah, because one of the things that they had recommended, they were just like, yeah, just take Miralax every day. And I was like, is that safe? (laughs) I was like, wait, shouldn't, like, should we figure out, like, what's really going on, or should I really take Miralax every day? (laughs) No, because your body should know just how to do it. And exactly. There should be a natural way for your body to get rid of the waste. Exactly. If I had gone to some sort of medical school, I think this would be my, like, my why, my thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh... I love that. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe I'll go back to medical school. Probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, as someone who works so hard, also dealing with, you know this chronic pain, do you ever find it necessary to slow down and to practice self-care? Yes. um, I need to take this advice more often. I'm a workaholic and I really don't take many days off of work. But, you know, one thing that I do for myself is like, okay, so we're adults and there's really nothing that we particularly need or I'm I'm not you know I'm 30 I'm at a part of my life where like if somebody wants to get me a birthday gift or if somebody wants to get me a Christmas present and they're like what do you want it's like I don't you know what here's this massage place and I really like getting massages here so Mm. a gift card to that would be wonderful so I don't hesitate to ask for stuff like that because I know that I'm going to use it and also it, it it forces me to use it and to really relax that day and kind of, you know, get myself in check. And I also love to doodle. It sounds like really weird, but I sometimes just grab a piece of paper and I just find myself like drawing weird shapes or coloring or doing stuff like that. And that sort of really helps to calm me. And also, you know, we live in California, so Self-care for me involves marijuana sometimes and that and uh, in conjunction with CBD oil, which I do take regularly mm-hmm. and have, you know, gotten so many amazing benefits from one of which being I used to clench my jaw at night and when I take the CBD, I don't clench it. Interesting. Um, 
And I was at the point where my doctor was like, you're going to need a mouth guard because you're grinding. And I stopped grinding when I took the CBD. So that's helped. Um, But, you know, just like really taking time for yourself. And for me, that could be anything from what I talked about to like closing my computer at the end of the day and just staring at the wall for 20 minutes. I was going to ask you about that. (laughs) Because I stare at a computer screen for eight hours. Mm -hmm. So, and and then, you know, we're on our phones, we're checking Instagram, we're doing all these things. So anything that I can do to sort of ease that, I will. And I just know, like I'm talking to you right now in almost complete darkness with no screens on. Like, that's my preferred (laughs) self-care. I love it. No, it's true. And everyone makes fun of me. They're like, wait, you're like sitting in the dark. I'm like, yeah, like I just, you know, stared at blue light for eight hours. Um, also, one thing that I did this year, which was amazing, is I got those blue light blocking glasses. Yes. Yes. Actually, I got the, um, you recommended me the pair that I the actually Felix got. Gray one, or, uh, or whatever brand I ended up getting. Um, the, I forget. Crap. I forget. Yeah. The worst. Anyway, they're amazing. This is they're, why I don't do so sponsorships. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding um but they've they've so helped me and headaches and things like that but anyway back to self-care I I love that I love skincare I have a jade roller I have a bunch of serums and cocktails that I like to put on my face <laughs> face masks um I enjoy that type of stuff a lot so any way that you can self-care, there's no definition for it for me. I think people think of self-care as like, I meditate or like, I wear cucumbers on my eyes and lay down. Like self-care can be whatever you want. If you think that self, if you like driving and you think that like, it's good if you were to just drive around for a little bit, like that's your Mm self-care. Like go on a drive. Yeah. You know, if you want to go for a walk, go on a walk. If you, if your self-care is going to a fitness class every day, enjoy it. You know, like, don't let society's definition of self-care define what it is for you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I had gotten into this mindset that in order to be, or in order to have a good day, I had to wake up, do some sort of meditation and some journaling. And Mm -hmm. yes, I I think there are some days where that's exactly what I'm feeling that, that morning, but other days it's wake up, go to the gym, um, and not putting, and I guess that, that whole notion of this is how you have to wake up and you have to meditate and you have to journal just put so much pressure on it that I was like, this is not relaxing. Like this is, I feel nervous. Like, am I doing this right? Can I just go to the gym? But yeah, self-care is. I honestly, I call it the influencer trap. Mm. because you see these people doing these things and you're like, oh my God, look at their highlight reel that they show me. Their life is so wonderful. I need to do exactly this. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm going to have that wonderful life. And although like, you know, we're not naive to believe that wholeheartedly, like in the back of our mind, it's like, oh, like if I journal, like it's going to, you know, make a profound influence on my day. And sometimes it just doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Your day is going to be your day. Right. I feel that. Yeah. Um, so you also host, um, a female empowerment podcast called boss, please. I would love to chat more about that and how people can listen and support you guys. Yeah. So I came together with two of my girlfriends, um, 
over a year ago now. I think we're on like episode 65. Wow. But basically, you know, we we found that there was sort of a lack in the empowerment podcast space. You know, we have podcasts like Girl Boss and Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop and it's awesome because they interview amazing women in entertainment. But what about normal women? Mm-hmm. Normal women are the ones that are listening to the podcast. Like, my whole notion is that everybody has a story to tell. Yeah. So why not interview enter- women in entertainment? Because, like, they have really cool jobs. But also, let's interview people that have, quote-unquote, normal jobs. Mm-hmm. Let's interview a stay-at-home mom and ask her about her experience. Let's interview a lawyer, you know, let's interview a red carpet reporter and just sort of learn about their journey and hopefully the takeaway is lessons learned because mm-hmm. no matter what job you have or where it's coming from, there is a lesson to be learned. So essentially we found the experience really re- rewarding, you know, we're getting these messages from amazing women who we've had influence over over the past couple of years and not only do we interview phenomenal women but we also bring in our real life experience because we're all bosses and our story matters as well and it's been great I mean it it goes along with your podcast you know Mm -hmm. we are the type of women that would like to lift each other up instead of tear each other down yeah and there is a seat at the table for everybody, and if there is an opportunity that better fits one of my friends, you sure as hell I'm going to recommend them for it. And that's just how I've been, so we wanted to sort of put that in a media form. And to be honest, you know, like working in celebrity news, it is like very soul-sucking. And for me, this was an opportunity to grow and to learn another skill and, you know, we've definitely faked it till we've make, we made it along the way because none of us really knew what it was going to be or what it was going to turn into. And it's been completely wonderful and has connected me to so many other amazing women and has opened other doors, mm-hmm. which is, is so phenomenal because a group of like-minded women in a room together is unstoppable. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. I totally agree 100% with you and um, bringing those like, not that celebrities don't have real stories. Obviously, they have real valuable stories that we can relate to, but um, sharing the story of a quote unquote normal person uh, mm-hmm. and being able to see what, you know, oh, if that if that girl did that, then surely I can do it. It's it's a lot harder to be like, oh, well, if Oprah did that, then I can do it. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, how many times do you Google, you know, like, how to start your own business? Or, like, what are the steps I need to take? I mean, you, you have your own fitness business. So it's like, we aim to interview those type of women that have done it before, that can talk about, you know, the low points and talk about the really rewarding and high points and sort of help you along your journey, you know, that you're actually hearing it from somebody that did it or did it and failed. Um, I feel like the failures are so beneficial. You Mm -hmm. know, we don't want to put ourselves back in that mindset, but at the same time, it's so great to learn from mistakes and uh, grow from them. That's life, you know. But we have been, you know, we've had some amazing women on over the past couple of seasons, and 
We put out an episode every Wednesday. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Libsyn. Um, I think we're going to start uploading our episodes to Facebook soon. We have an Instagram, at BossPleasePod. Um, and yeah, we are, our new season or our, we're coming back, we're on hiatus for the holidays because every boss needs a break. Um, our <laughs> new, <laughs> our new episodes, they're going to be launching, I believe on January 13th, whatever that Wednesday is of that week. And, um, yeah, we're really excited to bring on some amazing women and showcase what they do. I love it. Definitely, yeah. definitely recommend that everyone listen to it and then I'll, for sure link where you can find it and all of those Instagram handles so you can quickly access it. Um, to close off, I guess I, I ask all of my guests, what advice do you have for the strong girl community? It's okay to fake it. Mm. I have gotten so much success from faking it through life. Whether that's at work or in your personal life, my whole thing is like fake it in the beginning and figure it out. You know, don't ever tell somebody that you don't know how to do something. Just say yes and you figure it out. Now, that's obviously within reason because if it's something like, you know, rocket science, I can't figure that out through a Google. But, you know, if somebody's like, oh, do you know how to use Photoshop? Like, I don't. But yeah, oh, yes, I know how to do basic Photoshop. You know, and then mm-hmm. you figure it out along the way. Absolutely. And that has always been number one for me, that you always have to display confidence because people put their trust in confident people. And as long as you have that air about you, you can figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. Everything is figure outable. I don't know who said that, but I love it. It's so true. Everyone is a faker. That's also what everyone needs to realize. Everyone mm-hmm. is faking it. You're yeah. not the only one. Nobody talks about it. Everyone's faking it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And how can um, my people listening here connect with you? Um, so I am across all social media platforms at Jillian Left, my first and last name. Um, my DMs are open. So if you want to message me, go for it. I love talking shop. Or if you have any questions about EVB or poop or constipation, like, I got you. I'm here. (laughs) She's your girl. Also, if you need to know how to use a jade roller. Yeah. Also, like, if you want to know about the Kardashians, I know everything that's going on in their lives. So, like, I'm here to talk about really anything and everything. (laughs) Thank God. Did you ever... um, this is so random, but I don't know why it just made me think of it. But did you ever ha- um, message Smarter Child on like AIM or AI- AOL? They just, all the time. Yeah, just knew all the questions. That's you. All You're, the time. That's me. You are like the... 100%. And you know what? Even if I don't have an answer, I'll give you a fake answer. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Jill, thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, strong girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Strong Girl Podcast. If you found some value in today's um, episode, we went through a lot. We covered a lot um, from depression, from being a boss at work, 
from chronic pain and illnesses. There was a lot covered there. Um, So I'd love to hear back about what you most connected with. And you can do that by sharing this and telling all of your friends about the Strong Girl podcast. You can do that on Facebook, LinkedIn. I know not a lot of people love LinkedIn, but I'm a huge LinkedIn fan. Um, And definitely on Instagram stories and tag me at Samantha L. Russo. That's the only way to make sure that this podcast grows. And I'm also always on the lookout for new interviewees. So if you have someone in mind or if you yourself have an awesome story to share that would inspire other incredible women, please, please, please reach out to me. I would be happy to talk to you. Um, This platform is as much mine as it is yours because I just want to share your stories. All right, that is going to be it for me. I'll be back again next week, next Tuesday, bringing you another awesome episode of the Strong Girl Podcast. Bye.